Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. And thank you for being here. We have been in a fantastic series called Types and Shadows. You guys been enjoying this? It's been looking at the Old Testament and, and seeing how it connects to the New Testament and particularly how it connects with Jesus, and we're continuing that conversation today. And I want to remind you that we have a podcast that comes out every Monday. I don't know if you checked it out, but it is absolutely amazing called Continue the Conversation, and it's just a great resource to you. You can check that out tomorrow and go back and watch the previous ones. But today we're going to be looking in Numbers chapter 21. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. But I want to talk to you. The title of this message is the cure for complaining. Ooh, somebody said amen to that. How many of you know some complainers in your world? Do not point at anyone right now. How many of you battle with some complaining in your own world? Uh, I want to give you a little bit of insight of what's taking place in this passage before we turn to it. God, in the book of Exodus, delivered the people of Israel, they delivered them out of bondage from Egypt. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, and they have been in the wilderness now for 39 years. You know, that's a long time in the wilderness, 39 years, and, and they have seen God do miraculous things. Um, he's provided manna for them. He's provided water for them. He's, he's sustained them. He's kept them, but they keep finding themselves in this cycle of unbelief and complaining, this constant cycle of not believing God and complaining. And in fact, there's a really important scripture, Numbers chapter 13, you can go back and read it later, where they were getting ready to enter in the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and Moses sets aside one leader from each tribe, and they go in. There's 12 leaders total that go in for 40 days and they check out the land. And they come back after 40 days and they say, oh, this land, you weren't lying, Moses. It's amazing. It is spectacular. Man, it's just absolutely amazing. It's a whole lot better than where we've been camping for the past 39 years. At this point, it hadn't been 39 years, but they've been camping a long time. He says, that, but there's one problem. The, the people who live there are way too strong for us. They're way too big for us. How many of you know that there is no enemy that you can face that's bigger than the God who is for you and around you? And they started to speak death over their circumstance, and because they did so, they missed out on the promise and the timing that God had for them. And so now most of the first generation has died off, and now the second generation is coming up. And let's see what they do. If they continue the pattern that they saw from the first generation, Numbers chapter 21, Starting in verse 4, it says, Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. Just real quick here, the Edomites would not allow them to go through their land. The good old Edomites, everybody. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. I know we don't grow impatient with long road journeys or seasons in our life. Nobody in here deals with that. And they began to speak, watch this, against God and Moses. This is important. We'll come back to this. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? 
They help me out. What's the next word say? They complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. That was not true. I mean, you have kids, they go to the refrigerator, they open it up, and they say, there is nothing for me to eat today. And you know that thing is stocked full of food, and you start naming everything that's in there, and they say, well, I don't like any of that food. Eat it anyway. And they said this, and we hate this horrible manna. The first thing we see here is the complaint. These people had grown so used to complaining that they can't seem to get out of it. They got in this cycle, in this repetitiveness of talking a certain way that had just become part of their normal vocabulary. I want to encourage you today that when God saves you, when he delivers you, you should have a new language that's on the inside of you. A language of faith, a language of belief, a language of grace, a language of love. And in fact, our vernacular should change when God does something on the inside of us. See, they were out of Egypt, but the mindset of Egypt was still in their minds. And whatever is in your mind is going to come out of your mouth. Whatever you think, whatever you believe, it's going to come forth from your mouth. And they're complaining, saying, God. You brought us out here to die. We don't like this food. It's hot. It's miserable out here. And they start to complain. Can I tell you that there is so much power in your words? Their complaining caused them to unnecessarily go in circles year after year after year. I'm afraid many of us, God is just waiting to open up a door in our life an opportunity in our life, a new season in our life, but the problem is not with his ability to open the door. The problem is with our ability to speak life instead of death. And I don't know what your marriage looks like. I don't know what your kids look like. I don't know what your circumstances look like, but I just want to encourage you today to start speaking some life even before you see life happen. Start speaking it before you even feel it. In fact, if, if like your spouse... I know it's probably just once a year, but they grate your nerves that one time a year. Instead of, man, you just grate my nerves. You get, I know none of us do this. You just drive me crazy. Instead of saying that, why don't you, the next time that happens, I'm sure it's going to be weeks from now. Next time that happens, say, hey, have I told you lately how much I love you? <laughs> You're a blessing. Now, don't, don't do that today because you're going to know what you're doing right now. Next time your kids do something you don't like, man, they just do something that just drives you crazy. I want you to try something new. I want you to say, you know what, son? You know what, daughter? Man, God has great plans for you. Man, you are blessed. You are highly favored. Why don't you start? Why don't we start practicing speaking life even before we actually see it? Even in your circumstances, this past week, Pastor Mike, he's, he's so awesome. I was talking to him, and I was just talking about all these problems going on. Anybody have problems going on in their world? And I was just saying, man, it was this, and, and then we got this, and he said this. He said this to me. He said, well, isn't this just an opportunity to trust God for a miracle? And I said, you know what? That was the very next thing I was going to say, Pastor Mike. I appreciate <laughs> didn't want to steal the thunder from you. 
But the power of life and death are in the tongue. In fact, I love what Proverbs 18, verse 21, this is the message, a paraphrase. It's not a direct translation, but I love this paraphrase. It says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 19, verse 14, he says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh my God, my strength and my redeemer. I just come here to tell you today that complaining, we're not supposed to be on the complaint train. Some of us been on the complaint train for so long, we've done become the conductor of the complaint train. All aboard. Man, it's time to get off the complaint train and start confessing some great things about our God, some great things that are happening around us and in us and through us. And I know we can look at them and we can think, man, what's their problems? What's up with them? And do they remember God parted the Red Sea? Don't they know that he provided manna every single day? Even sent quail. Their, their clothes never wore out. Their sandals never gave in. What's wrong with them? Let us be careful not to judge them as we sit here in our nice air-conditioned seat, sipping on our latte, thinking about what we're going to eat for lunch today. They were there for 39 years, everybody. It is hot in the desert. We've had some hot weather. Lord have mercy. This cool front came through. I just started thanking the Lord. I thought we're never going to see below 90 degrees, but say he won't do it. It is hot. It is sandy. I cannot stand being sandy. You get sand all over you. Mm. No ocean around. They didn't have pools around. They're just sandy. They've been on a perpetual campout. I don't like camping out for one night. They've been camping out for 39 years. And I know they had manna, but I just want you to think for a second. What is your favorite food? You don't have to say it out loud. But just think in your heart. What is one of your favorite? I love pizza. Day 10,000 of eating pizza. I want something different to eat. Not only that, they were supposed to be going northwest into the promised land, but instead they're going southeast, the opposite direction. Let me paint it to you this way. They were supposed to be going towards Shreveport, and they were heading to New Orleans, and they knew it. So before we start judging them and saying, I can't believe these people, I think God wants us to look in the mirror of our own life, say, hey, what am I speaking what am I saying? What am I sowing? Because I'm telling you, your words have power. It's time to get off, hear me, the complain train. Get off of it. So what happens when we complain? I'm going to give you just a few truths about complaining. Number one thing is this, is that complaining is contagious. It is like an infectious disease that will jump on you. Watch this. The first generation complained. The second generation complained. In fact, I learned this this week. Up to this point, they had only spoken against Moses. But in the text we just read in Numbers chapter 21, it said that they spoke against Moses and who? God. So this is what happens. Whatever you practice in your world will be passed down to those who are following you. So our practice matters. Our speech matters because when they get it, 
they don't just continue it. It comes with a little compound interest, everyone. They take it even further. So if you say, man, why are my kids, why are my friends, why are my coworkers not living with a life of abundance and life that's just bubbling out on the inside and outside of them? Maybe we should take a look and see what's coming out of our own mouths, what we're speaking, because here's the truth. Everybody listen to this. Here's the truth. Complainers need companions. Try complaining by yourself and see how much fun it is. I know we do it, but it's no fun when you're complaining by yourself. But when you find, ooh, you find somebody who gets on that complaining with you and they start stoking that fire and that little fire starts to grow, what's it do? It starts to feel right on the inside. Man, get yourself away from complainers. You're supposed to love everybody, but you don't have to camp out with everybody. You're supposed to reach out to everybody, but you don't have to do life intimately with everybody. You know what else is contagious? Faith is contagious. You get around people and start speaking things, start believing things. Man, I see this into you. I love it when people start speaking potential even before they see it in the practical. They start saying things and say, man, I see this in your life. I'm thinking, you see that in my life? Are we looking at the same person? Well, what are they doing? They're speaking faith. Complaining is contagious. The second thing is this. Complaining has no spiritual power. None. You can complain in the natural and get your way. People use complaining all the time to manipulate circumstances and situations. You will never, and I will never, complain my way into victory. Somebody you see, man, their life's just, God's just using them, building the kingdom. You go up to them and say, man, how, how did you get here? Oh, what, what's your secret? I promise you, they will not say this. You know what I did? One day, I just figured out. I got so good at complaining, I started having some massive breakthrough in my life. It was, it was amazing. You should try it out. Just start complaining. You will never talk to someone who had breakthrough by complaining. You can manipulate work situations. You can manipulate relationships and get your way. You ever been around somebody, you want to go somewhere to eat, they just start complaining about that place so much. Like, oh, I just can't stand that place, blah, 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 blah. They start saying this, and what you end up doing? Not going there because they complain so much about it. You can control the natural by complaining, but you will never, ever, ever move the hand of God by complaining. But I promise you this, prayer will move his hand, and there's a great difference. What did they do? Y'all still with me today? It's what they, they talked about Moses and they talked about God. There's a difference between talking about somebody and talking directly to them. If I have a grievance with someone, I got an issue with someone, and I want reconciliation, well, if I just talk and complain about them, how many of you know no reconciliation is going to happen? But when I sit down with a heart of love and, and hopefully compassion and a desire for reconciliation and humility, when you talk to someone, there is hope for restoration. God moves when his people pray. And I, I want to take a moment, and I, I want you to lean in. Some of you are hurting right now, and I am not in any sense dismissing your pain. Some of you are going through a season right now. It is unspeakable pain. God is not afraid of your emotions. 
He's not intimidated by the way you feel and what you're going through. But I promise you, if you just talk about what you're going through and not talk to God about what you're going through, you will stay right where you are. But when you start to pray to God and you start to say, Lord, this is me. It's like said earlier, I'm just back here again, Lord. Just here I am knocking again, seeking again, asking again. When you seek his face, you will find his hand in your life. Come on, can you give him praise in here today if you believe it? It's contagious. It has no power, but prayer does. The other thing is this. Complaining makes miracles mundane. They said, we don't have anything to eat. We don't have anything to drink. We hate this manna. They were living in the middle of a miracle, and they couldn't even see it. When you get in the pattern of complaining, and you're only looking, listen to me, at what is wrong, you will never see what is right. If you're just looking what is wrong in the person you're married to, if you're just looking at what is wrong with your kids, you're just looking even in here with this church, you're just looking at what is wrong, then you will miss the fingerprints of God and what he's doing in and through your life. How many of you, God's done some amazing things in you? Come on, let me see you. Denim campus, he's done some amazing things. Ascension campus. How many of you, God has saved you from a lot? How many of you have seen miracles and signs and wonders in your life? But if you're not careful when you're going in the wilderness and you're hot and there's sand and you're just like, when am I ever going to get out of here? You start looking down instead of looking up. You start being depressed and thinking about, I'm never going to get through this. I'm never going to make it out of this. And what happens? Your words follow wherever your eyes are. Start looking up a little bit and speaking life over yourself. Complaining. Miracles become mundane. I thought about Alabama football fans. We can all, oh, Lord Jesus. We can, most of us, except for one, we can agree on this. They didn't even lose to South Florida. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. It's still okay. They played South Florida early in the season. They didn't even lose to them. They were ready to fire Nick Saban. He has won six national championships. I know we don't like thinking about it. I know we don't like talking about it. But I'm making a point here I need you to get. He has won six. Tennessee, I'm a Tennessee fan. We haven't even come close to six. If we're rounding up or down, we're at zero. <laughs> they didn't even lose the game and they were ready to get rid of him. I wonder how many of us we go through something and we're ready to get rid of God. Lord, you haven't done nothing for me. God, when are you going to move? He's saying, man, I've been moving all your life. I've been faithful all your days. My goodness and my mercy will meet you every single morning. Come on, do you believe that? Can you give him a great hand clap and shout of praise in here? Don't let the miracles get mundane. I like this. Find where I am. Second thing is the consequence. Numbers 21, verse 6. This will, <laughs> this is hilarious. It's funny and not funny. This is so, the Bible is so interesting. This is so wild what happens. Look at this next verse. Go ahead and put up the next verse on there. This is the very next verse. They complain. We hate this manna. Look what happens. Oh boy. So the Lord sent. <laughs> 
poisonous snakes among the people. And many were bitten and died. Amen, everybody. Y'all have a great day. Fantastic. God's good. How wild is it that God said, you got some poison on the inside of you? Son, I'm going to send some poison to get that poison on the inside of you out of you. That he sent snakes. I, listen, I know this is not manly. I am scared to death of snakes. I, I, when I was 12 years old, I thought about this this week. 12 years old, I went to my friend's house, John David Brooks. I loved him, great guy. He takes me to the room I was supposed to sleep in. He has a pet snake. I don't get it. You have a pet snake? I, I don't get it. And I remember saying to him, I said, I'm not sleeping in here. I said, I will sleep on the floor in the kitchen. I'm not sleeping in here. And he thought it was funny. He thought it was great. He could tell I was scared to death of this, of this pet snake. He takes the snake, and he takes it out, and he starts chasing me with the snake. Yeah, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> he starts, starts chasing me. I ran down the stairs. I ran out the front door. And I'm telling you, I wasn't a fast athletic kid, but I turned into to prime time. Deion Sanders, I think I was running a 4-2-40 down the street. I called my parents. I said, hey, you got to come pick me up. This guy has a snake in his bedroom. We got to get out of here. I am scared to death of snakes. Can you imagine just for a moment? We won't stay here very long. This is a little depressing. Can you imagine for a moment? Not just snakes. Poisonous snakes coming everywhere. Attacking you, you're trying to go to sleep. Getting that little sleeping bag. Snake coming. That's awful. That's all. You're trying to eat your manna. Here comes a snake slithering after you. I mean, no, no, thank you. I mean, you know, that got their attention quick. I, I want to say something. Now, we're, we're underneath grace. Don't, don't be getting in your car today thinking, oh Lord, I'm sorry. Is there a snake in here? But I do want you to hear this. Sin brings natural consequences. And some of you are living in the consequence of your complaining and your attitude. And God is ready to move you on to the promised land. And he's allowing the words of your mouth to dictate the environment that you're in. And I wonder if, if we just say, God, I repent, I confess, I'm turning. I think God can do amazing and incredible things in our life. And I want you to know this too, that God disciplines those he loves. Hebrews says this, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verse six. He doesn't discipline us or allow consequences to come in your life because he's mad at you or he hates you. He loves you too much for you to stay where you're at. He loved them too much that he was okay with a little temporary pain that would come, that therefore they wouldn't miss the permanent promise that was ahead of them. He was okay with them having a little bit of this. And these snakes, when they bite them, this is what it did. This is interesting. You can look this up. It gave them a high fever. First of all, just the bite stinks, right? I mean, that's terrible. High fever. They would, they would have this fiery pain all throughout them. And the final thing is this. They had this unquenchable thirst. Hear me. Sin will leave you with an unquenchable thirst. It feels right in the moment, but it has the inability to bring life and nourishment to your soul. So he sends these, these snakes after him. The final thing is this. After the, the consequence, the final thing is this, is that the cure was made possible. Numbers chapter 21, 
verse 7 and 9, the next two verses. Then the people came to Moses and they cried out and said, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away these snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, make a replica. This is what we're getting into. This is the shadow of what's to come. Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. Watch this. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and he attached it to a pole. Then anyone who is bitten by a snake, this is wild, could look at this bronze snake and be healed. What a story. You didn't come to church expecting to hear this one, did you? The cure, the cure. They realized what they had done was against God's ways. They repented. Repentance is a powerful thing. Confession is a powerful thing. Jesus says this, the word of God says in 1 John, if anyone confess their sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. They repented. They come to Moses. Don't miss this. They come to Moses and say, Moses, pray for us. They needed him to pray for them. But we have a high priest who is seated, seated on the throne that we have access to pray to him. I don't have to go to Moses. I don't have to go to Pastor Mike. I don't have to go to any woman or any man to pray for me. I can pray to him. And I love what Moses does. Let me tell you what I wanted, would want him to do. Well, you know what? You complained against me. And I don't think you've learned your lesson yet. I'll pray for you manana. That's tomorrow. I'll pray for you next week. That's what man does. But as soon as you come to God, as soon as you say, Lord, I've missed the mark. He says, I know, but I'm right here interceding on your behalf. I loved you yesterday. And guess what? I love you today, even in your mess. And I love you in the future when you mess up as well. How many of you know you're going to mess up in the future? His grace will meet you wherever you are. John chapter 3. Don't, don't, dial, don't dial out on me. I know we're, we're getting ready to end right here, but listen to me. This is so powerful. John 3, 14 and 15. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, how does, how does one get saved? And Jesus says, well, you're not going to be saved by the flesh. You got to be saved by the Spirit. Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And watch what he says in John chapter 3. This whole story was a shadow pointing to Jesus coming. He says, and if Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness. So the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone, somebody shout everyone. everyone. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. You know what John three sixteen is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. What is Jesus saying in John chapter three to Nicodemus? He's saying, just as they lifted up that serpent, I'm gonna be lifted up. But hear me, this lifting was in reference to his death. It was in reference, John chapter 12 tells us, is in reference to the crucifixion. 
The Bible says, cursed is any man who hangs from a tree. They were struck in the wilderness to correct them. He was struck on the cross to cure us, to heal us, to deliver us, to save us, to cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. This, my friend, is something to shout about. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians, that he who knew no sin became sin on my behalf. The serpent, when they looked at that snake up there, it was a reminder to them that we have sinned. But when we look to Jesus who hung upon a cross, it's a reminder to us that he took our sin. Your greatest sin, my greatest sin, all of my sins, all of your sins, he took it upon himself and he nailed it upon the cross. There is power, my friend, in the resurrection. There's power in the cross. There's power in the greatest sacrifice that humanity has ever seen. When Jesus was lifted up on that cross, he was not lifted in honor. He was lifted in humiliation. Philippians says this, that he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. But because of that, hear me, the Bible says God has given him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus, somebody shout Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. You say, man, I've got some issues in my life. Well, join the club. But I know who has the cure. It is not a doctor. It is not anybody, and we're thankful for doctors. They can help the body, but there is only one person who can help the soul. It's not multiple options. It's not multiple choice. His name is Jesus, and he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And listen to me. All you have to do is look at him. Look at him and live. Look at him and be healed. Look at him and be delivered. You say, man, I've been battling all my life. Just one look at the one who hung upon the tree the one who was buried and rose again, the one who is coming back. And I'm telling you, he could come back soon, everyone. All the things that are happening in our world that took place this weekend, Jesus could come back any day. I don't know about you, but I want to be ready. I don't want to be riddled with complaint. I don't want to be riddled with bitterness. I don't want to be riddled with any type of besetting sin. I want to say, God, I have issues, but my eyes are on you. I might have problems, but you are my healer, and you have the medicine to make me whole. Come on, if you believe that, can you clap your hands in here? Come on, give him a great hand clap of praise. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.